Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. I feel like it's a running gag on this show at this point, but sincerely, another week of the 2021 college tennis season in the books. Another week of fascinating and fantastic college tennis delivered to all of us college tennis fans. We had upsets happening across the country. We had teams finally start to make their breakthrough as we get even closer to the start of the postseason. Joining me on today's podcast to break it all down, as they always do, are the two other members of our Crack Rackets College Tennis Holy Trinity. Let's start where we always start. You know him as a former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, your favorite writer for our website, CrackedRackets.com, and dare I say, a man late to the podcast for the first time in his over 100 appearances on Crack Rackets. It's Matt the Cracks to Koyak. Matty, our Listeners need to know. You feeling all right? Everything good in Matland? Come on, Gruskin. The one time that I show up <laughs> a little late, yeah, you make a big deal out of it, whatever. And just so the listeners know, you're late perpetually every single time. So um, no, everything's good, man. I'm I'm feeling great. We had another great week of uh, some college tennis, maybe even better uh, than we've had all season long. So looking forward to tonight's episode with you guys. People know the GSP runs on GST, which is Gruskin Standard Time. But no, I only bring oh, yeah. it up, Maddie, because I was concerned. Like you are a man who is truly never late. You pride yourself on your punctuality. So I just need to make sure everything's good. Yeah, no, and that's fair. You're right. I do. I do pride myself on the punctuality. Um, Everything is great, man. I am ready to rock and roll here. Yeah, that is good to hear. Well, a man I know is ready to rock and roll, not just for today's podcast, but also for our seminar on Thursday, running through the rankings formula, how it all works, and how coaches can get ahead by using his website, collegetennisrankings.com. Of course, with that in mind, I am talking about the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks formula predictions never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames, lover of mothers, lover of Almond Joys, the snitch, the professor, he quotes Henry Ford, and today, decked out in SEC gear, it's Chris Halioris. Chris, hey, great shot as always. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing great. Yeah, you know, I, I tried to flex a little this weekend when I went to the Mississippi State-Kentucky <laughs> match. This is literally the first time ever that I've worn this SEC champs hat from 2018. It's been sitting in the closet. I thought I'd break it out. Did no good. Uh, so, you know, they, they, they just flat out whooped our butt. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, and I guess I could say, you know, Gruskin, you are perpetually late. Never have a good look on your face when you show up. Maddie's late once, has a big smile on his face. I'll just leave it there for what it's worth. You can picture what he was doing. Well, Chris, you know at this point I can't hide my contempt for you. And anytime I pop <laughs> on the Zoom, I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> Uh, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. Smiling, something I'm working on here. What do you mean? I'm always smiling. I'm not going to get defensive. Don't get defensive. Don't take the bait, Alex. Come on. He's baiting you. You're better than this. Um, no, I mean, look, if it makes you feel better, Chris, the one match I saw of Michigan in person this year, they also lost. So it's just this podcast. We're having that effect. Although Maddie went to Ann Arbor and watched his Bears knock off the Wolverines. So as always, Maddie, the one good luck charm. On and the Winston-Salem. Pod- 
and Winston-Salem. That's true. So the one good luck charm on the podcast. That's why we will always keep him around here. In fact, I'm probably going to have to add that to your intro. We just found it, the good luck charm here at Cracked Rackets. But, you know, uh, it, it's funny you mention, uh, Chris, again, all these matches happening around the country. It is so nice. This is just a little thing. But, you know, at most sites, it's only family members. At some, it's a bit more than that. To have fans back in the stands at some of these college tennis matches and, you know, we're not going to debate the, we don't have to get into, is it appropriate, is it not appropriate? I don't want to do that. I just want to enjoy the fact that, I mean, when you're listening to these streams, I was watching the Georgia-Texas A&M match and it felt like a match in Georgia. It felt like a match uh, with a Georgia home crowd and that is just a delightful thing for all of us college tennis fans to enjoy. And of course, again, we're down the home stretch now of this 2021 season. I talked about it last week. Way too many senior days happening. I believe this weekend is pretty much the last weekend of regular season play. There may be one more and then obviously we'll get into the conference tournaments, but Things are heating up, and of course, with the postseason in, uh, or with the postseason approaching, I should say, uh, talk of the rankings is, of course, dominating uh, all discourse throughout college tennis levels. You talk to players, you talk to coaches, they'll say, no, we're focused on the process. I'm just worried about the next match, Alex. No, you're not. I know how you're really feeling. Uh, I know the same way we all feel is that there is uncertainty right now as we approach the NCAA cutoff. Of course, traditionally, the rankings more borne out at this point. You know, you have, what, 12, 13 wins, Chris, at this point. You can just shake your head and nod to me if that's about right what you'd have in April. He gives me a tacit yes. No, he gives me a tacit no. Anyways, eventually, is it 12 or 13? Eventually. No, normally, you get to nine for NCAA selection that count. And okay. 10 at the end of the year. There we go. So that's the official number. The point being, it's obviously a little bit tougher to get to that this year. The computer rankings have been all over the place. We talked about it extensively last week, so we're not going to completely relitigate the topic here today, but we do want to start today's podcast by discussing the rankings, and then we'll get into all of this week's results. We'll get into the week ahead, offer our top 10 here at Cracked Rackets. Quick plug, I'm going to sneak in before we get into today's podcast, a reminder uh, that this podcast, the reason we're able to do it day in, day out here at the Great Shot Podcast, because of the support we get from all of you listeners, from our Patreon family, and of course from our friends at Turner Grip. I'm just going to read the digits, because you guys all know the deal by now. If you're not using Turner Grip, you are missing out. Email sales at at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707 to join the Turner Grip family. That's sales at uniquesports.com or 800-554-3707. Again, shout out to Turner. We're so happy to have them here. It's very easy to endorse a product you believe in. I know how good Turner Grip is. You know how good Turner Grip is. Get yourself up. Become a part of the Turner Grip family. Let them know Crack Racket sent you. They'll hook you up as well. With that in mind, I gave you a bit of a homework assignment, Professor, and this assignment was actually given to us uh, from our friend Jay on Twitter, who, of course, in response to all of the ranking news, and it's very easy to sit here and criticize the decisions being made. It's very easy for anyone on the sidelines to criticize decisions being made, but it's a lot more difficult to sit in that chair to talk about the 
system that would work most efficiently. So what we want to do here is discuss the ideas that we think should be implemented this season. It's the one we think would make some sense out of all of the chaos that is the 2021 season. Of course, the reason this came up again on today's podcast is because the ITA announced an update. More information on the 2021 Division I Oracle ITA rankings. I'm going to read that statement now. And then offer my thoughts. I want to hear what you guys have to think as well. I promise I'll let you back into the podcast momentarily. But they said, during last week's pause of the Division I singles and doubles rankings, the ITA conducted meetings with our staff, coaches, governance committees, conference officials, and the NCAA regarding steps moving, uh, steps for moving forward. The following were the major takeaways from those conversations. And by the way, this is the meeting that me, Chris, and Matt were referring to in yesterday's podcast. Uh, yesterday's, last week's, excuse me. They said, there is agreement that this pandemic year has been and continues to be an unusual year, and that these types of rankings and selections issues are affecting multiple NCAA sports, not just tennis. Okay, fair. Uh, Strength in leadership can manifest itself through prudent reflection in evaluating an institution's normal procedures, especially during an unprecedented year like 2021. Translation, ideas require thought behind them. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Uh, That's just a fancy way of saying that. It remains clear that there are strong opinions on both sides of the issue concerning identifying rankings outliers and how to properly address these players. Okay, again, we're stating the issue here. Here's the next one, and this is where my problems arise. A simple solution that attempts to balance all of the various interests and includes consensus support is currently not available. Hold that thought, listeners, but I just want to read that again. A simple solution that attempts to balance all the various interests and includes consensus support is currently not available. As a result, the ITA will continue the publishing of computer team singles and doubles rankings along with the coaches poll. We should note that the NCAA has requested the coaches team poll for the purposes of review and in the spirit of transparency we have decided to continue publishing that poll. It is also important to note that at this point the NCAA has not requested any other new metrics regarding singles and doubles rankings outside of historical data. Per our agreement with the NCAA we will continue to provide them with the above mentioned rankings list on a weekly basis leading up to the NCAA selections the first week of May. We will also provide them with a weekly ranking summary along with different opinions from our coaches regarding these areas of concerns as we have said before the job of selecting teams and individuals for the ncaa championships remains the sole purview of the ncaa our ita ncaa partnership is a strong one and we will continue to support them in any way we can i know that was a long statement i apologize for reading it all to you listeners here's why i did so respectfully again That's unacceptable. You are the Intercollegiate Tennis Association, and I apologize. And again, I consider Tim Russell a friend at this point. He and the entire ITA team have been so supportive of everything we've done here at Cracked Rackets. And of course, me disliking this decision, disliking the handling of this specific instance is not indicative of my larger feelings towards the group. I don't want to emphasize that, but I also owe honesty to the listeners. You are the governing association of collegiate tennis. Make a decision. Like, it is your job. And I know traditionally it's always been the NCAA who selected it. And the NCAA has been so able to rely historically just on the rankings because historically the rankings have borne themselves out. But you're a governing association for a reason. 
To say in a statement to your coaches, a simple solution that attempts to balance all the various interests and includes consensus support is currently not available, and then to punt the issue to the NCAAs, like, that's a joke. That's unacceptable. And it's just, no, I'm sorry, for lack of a better term, but no there's not a simple solution. If there was, we would have gotten there by now. The inevitable solution, as we said last week, is that someone's going to get pissed off. And guess what? As the governing association in tennis, it's your job to piss someone off. I know a, a, an organization uh, works more fluidly when everyone's getting along, when everyone's getting, uh, when everyone's happy. And in an ideal scenario, you can make decisions that every party can understand and be happy with. But we're playing in a, a season amidst a pandemic, and there were always going to be concessions, and people were always going to be screwed over a little bit. And the go- job of the governing association is to minimize the screwing over as much as possible. I know that's not the most, you know, that's not the most colorful way of putting things, but that's just simply put, that's their job. And for them to punt this issue to NCAAs, I just, we're a month out. Like that's, you can't do that. You can't have this uncertainty lingering as we talked about last week. And it's just like, just say, you know what? I'm sorry, Big Ten. Your conference screwed you. And that's always going to linger over the 2021 season. But this is the 2021 season. Like, everyone already knows it's a COVID season. We're going to make manual adjustments to the best of our ability. But sorry, Big Ten, you're going to get screwed. And I know there's a lot of money on the line. There are coaches with incentives tied to making NCAAs, tied to year-end rankings, and so many different little intricate things that make this decision far more complicated than it appears on the surface. On the surface, it's just a seeding issue. You're like, whatever, is this really that big of a deal? It is that big of a deal. But make a decision. And I guess that would be my two cents on it. Chris, I'm sure you have many a thoughts as well. I want to go to Maddie first here, just because I feel like we, we often box you out of this conversation. Your thoughts on this development? Yeah, no. I mean, overall, Gruskin, I, I agree with pretty much everything you just said there. When I read this statement uh, that came out earlier today, I kind of felt the same way of like, oh, are you know, the ITA is just kind of punting it over to the NCAA saying, you know what, they're going to be the ones that have to deal with this, right? They're going to be the ones making the final decisions. Look, look over there, look to them, right? It's not us, um, but it's always been that way. The NCAA, you know, this year is no different than any other year, you know, in the fact that the NCAA is going to be making the selections that happens every single year. So this is no different. It was just... I thought it was kind of funny the way that they made it sound in that statement. I got a good chuckle out of that. I was like, man, wow, they're really just punting that thing over to the NCAA. But overall, I'm going to leave it here. I don't care anymore. I'm over it. That As simple as that sounds, at this point in the season, today is April 13th. I do not care anymore. I don't care. Teams need to be focused on themselves. Coaches need to be focused on their teams and their players. Everyone needs to be playing the best tennis right now. We have conference tournaments coming up. We have the NCAA tournament coming up. That's just what I want everyone to focus on. At this point, when it comes to the rankings and everything, I'm over it. We know there's not going to be a solution that we've asked for. We're too late in the process. We talked about this last week. I no longer care. I'm going to watch the tennis. I'm going to see the rankings unfold. And when the selections come out, we'll evaluate it at that point. Other than that, I'm done. 
This That's is it. why you're cracked rackets. Good luck, Charm. I echo every sentiment that you just said, Maddie. I would completely agree with you. And to transition to uh, the question we have in front of us, Chris, what is the solution? I I, I think I know which way you're going to go here, but obviously any response you have to what we've t- discussed thus far and then your solution, what would you do in this scenario? They say, Chris Halliors, you are the kingmaker in college tennis. You're no longer the forefather. You're the high father. What do you do in this scenario? Oh, well, if you're going to make that statement, I just make the rankings. But <laughs> barring that. <laughs> that was my solution, too. <laughs> yeah, dis- discarding that. Although part of my solution is probably not, you know, it, it involves something along those lines. No, I, I think the solution, they were a lot closer to the solution with what they discarded. And that was use the computer rankings and make some manual adjustments. They were there going into the first weekend before they put out the computer rankings. It didn't make it past concept. That was the solution. The problem is who makes the manual adjustments. I don't agree that you let the coaches make the manual adjustments. Way too much conflict of interest there uh, with the people on the committee, uh, as well as the fact that I don't believe there's enough time in the day to to adequately put in to that process that really needs to be put into that process when it's that necessary. When you start getting down to, uh, Hey, the cut line right now is 46 for NCAAs. We have to be accurate at least through there. Let's look at some of these teams down here that might've been slighted. Are the coaches that are doing that really going to dig all the way into every one of those teams records and who they play? No, they don't want to do that. And that's part of the reason I think that it, it got punted. So I think at that point, what you do is you enlist, uh, people, you know, whoever, whoever you want to deem, right? People like us, like Bobby Knight, like whoever's in the USTA, you know, get some people that you know will actually spend, you know, if, if I was tasked with that, with our rankings, right, I spend an hour or two going through things and do it. If I was tasked with, hey, this is the real deal and you got to help, it would be like, you know, tenfold that in the amount of time I'd put into it to make sure that I felt I was giving everyone a fair shake and not overlooking anything. And that's just time the coaches don't have. So I think that's on the, from the team perspective. Uh, I, I think that's where you got to go from the individuals, singles and doubles perspective. Look, you it's way too hard. You're not going to go rank 75 deep, you know, which is about where you got to go in singles because you get down in like the sixties normally, and then people start not, you know, people don't play and whatever, and you get a lot more into the NCAA. So you've got to be pretty deep in the rankings to be able to do that. Individuals aren't going to do that. So I think a, you have to rely on the computer rankings and then B my solution would have been to put in an appeals process where basically you state your case. If you want to say, Hey, Cannon Kingsley's number 68 in the country. He's not getting in. He should be. Here's my case. And then basically have a committee that reviews it. And you can supplement that with UTRs and whatever. And we can make a pretty good, pretty, pretty quick review of that going, yeah, clearly he's in. And then when it gets down to the final, you know, 10 or so guys, it's another long debate. And I think you just get the right people, you know, that can objectively look at that and review to decide based on how they did that year, what it should be. It's just not going to happen with the coaches, but it all still has to start with the computer ranks. I very much agree with you. I don't have much to add on top of that idea. I do want to run a, 
quick supplement to your idea on top of it. You're the math wizard here, Professor, so you tell me if this is possible or not, and if you tell me if you think this is fair or not as well. We had half a season from 2020. We also had an entire fall in the fall of 2019. Would it be criminal to just incorporate those results into this year's rankings, particularly given uh, the how many players came back this year, the similarities in rosters, the opposite, whatever the opposite of turnover is, the lack of turnover in the rosters? Is that a more justified solution to try and balance out these individual rankings, to run those individual results, not the team results, the individual results into those computer rankings, add the additional fall plus half season of dual match results from last year, and then try and have a more accurate approximation? Because it's a lack of sample size. That's what screws uh, these individual rankings. Yeah, but the yeah, I don't think that's that. And I heck no, would I go for that? Um, I mean, a okay, why not? Well, a you're biasing against the the freshmen, um, so sure. so they don't they don't get included in that previous stuff. B, it's not the current form of those guys, which is which is really what you're after. Uh, but C, my my biggest argument is why why do we think there's a big lack of sample size? Who didn't play in the fall? I'm, okay, if you're going to take another shot at the Big Ten right now, I'm not in the mood. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, yeah, I you're right, but but at the same time, okay, can we agree to make like it's just it's a do well. I guess I, someone's going to get pissed so, off. You're not wrong. I'm, someone's going to get pissed I'm gonna, off. I'm going to take another. I love this pot shot, so I have to take it. What position did Cannon Kingsley play when they played Kavasovic in Illinois? No, you played two. You're right. Okay, you get what you deserve. I'm sorry. Yeah. Nope completely fair that is a really good point and again someone is going to end up frustrated i agree with you having tried to go 25 down for my usta poll it's not easy to try and do that for the individuals you know i it took us like half an hour when we did that segment in the preseason to try and sift through our top and that was for top 10 right now we need to go like we need to go like 65 or something right so yeah i agree though obviously kingsley's a top 64 player right he's a top 10 player but uh, and I think those cases can be made. But yes, there were people that didn't play, and that's why I say for those people that had that you don't want to punish the the individual so much per se, uh, and you that they should get in. That's where that appeals process comes in. Everybody else has had plenty of chances in dual matches. A lot of these, you know, most of outside of the Big Ten, most of the the folks had time to play. Um, and so I, I think by the end of the season, the individual ranks will have worked themselves to the point where, for the most part, you have the people in the tournament. Am I overly concerned with seeding? No. When you go to the NCAA tournament, you either win or you don't. And the guy that win or wins, take you all. Have to be prepared exactly. to beat everybody to win. So I don't care if you're seeded or not seeded. If you draw the one seed in the first round, you got to beat them eventually anyway. And I think that that, that appeals process would be for – hey, let's just make sure we get it right and we don't leave some people out that are deserving that legitimately didn't get enough chances to play. Yeah, I, 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 we didn't cover the individual component as closely last week, so I appreciate you adding that. I think that's all fair. And again, we're going to leave the rankings discussion there. It's not going anywhere. I'm sure we will talk about it in podcasts to come. But just some thoughts on the developments we learned this past week. Who 
who's your trusted source when it comes to your facility questions, concerns, and needs? Ours is Hard True, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces, equipment, and accessories for over 90 years. Partner with their trusted team of experts, along with collegiate greats Jamie Loeb, Alex Rybakov, and Dustin Taylor to bring the service provider of over 30 professional events annually to your facility. Whether it's the red clay of the Houston ATP, the green clay courts of the Charleston WTA, or the official hard court of World Team Tennis, Hartrue has you covered. If you're looking to build a court, convert a hard court to clay, or simply resurface your hard court, work together with Hard True in their mission to lead the tennis industry by creating better places to play. To learn more about their state-of-the-art surfaces, along with their catalog customizable on-court accessories, check out hardtrue.com or call 877-442-7878 today. That's hardtrue.com or 877-442-7878 today. With that in mind, let's talk about the tennis we saw because it was another fantastic week of action throughout the college tennis world. Let's start with the team who I probably unjustifiably ribbed you guys a little bit too soon on being on their bandwagon. We really have seen such a small sample size of the Stanford Cardinal this year. And I have a fun fact check clarification. This weekend, they played two extraordinary high level, extraordinarily high-level matches against USC and UCLA. And it sounded in the background. And again, we're not on site, so I can only hear background noises. And one of the cheers that Stanford has is, whose house? And it sounded like they they were screaming tree house. And I was like, I'm in on that. I was like, if that's your team's cheer, are you kidding me? You're the Cardinal, but you've got the tree for the mascot. I'm in on that. And then I was told it's not tree house. It's sea house. So that was a little bit disappointing, but that's the only disappointing part about this Stanford weekend as the Cardinal knock off both. I hate saying that as the Cardinals, I'm just going to do it. I don't care. I'm, I'm, I can't, it just feels wrong. Like, I feel like my second grade English teacher is like, Alex, like, really? You're not going to pluralize Cardinal uh, as you say it? But no, the Cardinal knock off UCLA and USC 4-3. They drop the doubles point on both occasions, but find four different singles wins to get the job done. Let's start, I suppose, we'll just go chronologically with the UCLA match for the Bruins. They get Govinanda back in the lineup. It's Smith and Pereira with the 6-4 win at 1. Baird and Nanda, 6-4 victory at 2. Keegan Smith and Govinanda then deliver straight set, victory for the, straight set victories for the Bruins to extend their lead to 3-0. But there were a couple of crunch time moments where it felt like if UCLA wasn't going to escape with a couple of first sets, then the match was going to go. The the momentum was going to be with Stanford, and they could run away with it. Those moments happened on courts five and six. And on court six, Matt Salokian was up breaks multiple times. Four, three, I think, five, four, I think, six, five as well, unless the scoreboard was wrong on Stanford Stanford's Will Jennison. He ends up dropping that first set seven. 7-6 uh, because of that, Stanford then had sets on courts uh, 4, 5, and 6. They also 
also ended up winning the second set on court number three. Alex Rotsart uh, taking a 6-3 decision there. The Cardinals sweep the bottom of the lineup, and we talked about it in the preseason. The amount of talent they had from top to bottom, they were going to be a tough out at every singles position for the Cardinals. Rotsart, three-set win at three. Tristan Boyer, the freshman, four-in-love win at four. Timothy Sa, who was the big winner in the USC match. We'll get back to that. Three-set victory over Fiat, and then Jenison, 7-6-7-6 over Solokian. Maddie, you were on this Cardinal bandwagon from the beginning. It's late in the season, but are you starting to feel those vibes? Um, a little bit. So we've seen some improvement, right, because Stanford played UCLA and USC just a couple of weeks ago, or, or maybe not even a couple of weeks ago. It seems like it was just um, last week that they played those teams and lost, and now they play them again, and they're able to kind of right the ship, and they they get victories. Look, Stanford's depth, like in this UCLA match in particular, none of, none of this is surprising at all. Like it all makes sense when you look at the box score. Yeah, Keegan and Govind are gonna win one and two. I'll take them over almost anybody else in the country. Name another one two in the country. Give me Blumberg and and Rinky. I'll match up Keegan and Govinanda against those guys all day long and take my chances. I think Keegan and Nanda are arguably, they can be a top one-two punch in the entire country. So I'm not surprised that they won easily, but Stanford's depth, when you're looking at UCLA, I don't trust it. And I, Gruskin, I think you asked last week, you know, how far do you think UCLA can go? Are they really a threat you know, when it comes tournament time. And I said, eh, you know, they're dangerous, but I don't have them as a major threat to get to the quarterfinals or anything like that in the NCAA tournament. And this proves it right here. I just, the depth of Stanford, guys like Kristen Boyer, Timothy Saw, Will Jennison, those are the guys that I want playing four, five, and six, you know, as you get deep in a tournament. So for me, not really that surprising. Um, Stanford's depth won them the matches, and good for them. I think they're starting to find it a little bit, um, which is what we were hoping to see. Yeah, I mean, if for Keegan Smith, Govananda, they're like, what do we have to do to escape 2019? It's like, can I call Cressy? Can we get him back up top? Because that 2019 UCLA team, it they were a three-plus team yep. on the match calculus rating. It was, all right, you know, Cressy, Keegan, Nanda, they're probably all going to win. And Keegan and Cressy are going to win at one doubles. We literally just need one more thing to win. And unfortunately, they weren't able to do it against Baylor in the round of 16. But it's I mean, not like yeah. that this year. No, but the thing is, there's still no Zaraj, right? And they still have options at the bottom of their lineup. They're still a very frisky team. That's why they play so many teams close. The fact that it was 4-3 in this match, I don't think is going to surprise any of us. But to your point, the growth of Tristan Boyer, even in the immediate short term for Boyer this weekend, uh, you know, wins both of his matches, gets a 4-4 four four win over Bradley Fry, gets a 4-love win over Ben Goldberg. I saw him his first weekend. He did not look good. He looked a step slow. He just looked like the game was going a little quick for him. Everything it looked like he was doing was rushed. That was not the case this weekend. He's starting to play his best tennis. And again, he's just a freshman. And for Arthur Ferry, who gets a three-set win over Riley Smith, loses, you know, in straights to Nanda, he's starting to see his growth. You know, he's starting to grow as well. You know, Chris, 
from a rankings perspective, it's probably is it probably too late for Stanford to climb into the top twenty, and then you know for them just to introduce the USC. Well, we'll get to the USC match in a second because that's its own story. So just we'll start there. Is it too late for them with these two wins to make a top twenty push? By well, that depends on when you want to know when you want that top twenty push to be. Just before by NCA start of NCA before NCA. Oh no, absolutely not. They could easily be there. So what's the recipe? Uh, I mean, well, obviously they've just they've got to have a good Pac-12 tournament. Uh, I mean, they're already they're going to come out likely tomorrow at 24. Okay. So so that so they're already moving. Yeah. So I mean, with those two wins this weekend, up up to 24 uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, they don't. You know, they just need to not lose a bad match and you know win a couple. If they I fully expect right that if they play in the form they're in now, they should be in the Pac-12 final. Right, and if they're if in, you want to, uh, no, sorry, go. If they're in the Pac-12 final, and then and maybe that depends on where they get seated, right? I mean, are they on USC's half or not on USC's half? Because you kind of think those are the two that probably should be in the final, as long as they don't meet before the final. Um, and if they do, if if they make the run through to there, they will get because of the lack of play. Uh, you know, they've still got they've still only got five ranked five wins of teams in the top 125 on their record. So they've got two four-pointers at wins number six and seven, and we're probably going to move to eight by NCAA selections. So they've got three more wins to throw in that count for points where everybody else around them already has a bunch of points there. They're going to pass a ton of teams just by getting wins over, you know, say like an Oregon or somebody that's, you know, around 50. That uh, They'll get big points for that. So, so yeah, they'll they'll easily be top twenty uh, by NCAs if they if they win a couple rounds in the Pac-12. So just quickly to all of the Arizona fans who are listening to this podcast, Chris is just complete slighting and ignoring of them. Of oh, are you on USC sides of the Pac-12 conference and not? I think gonna eventually be tied at the worst for your regular season champs, Arizona. Uh, I hope Gustav Strom brings the Strom right to your front door, Chris. But uh, to talk about this Stanford team, again, they drop another doubles point. SC gets wins at one and two. No, no more bullets in the lineup for USC, but that's been a theme we've seen all season. So at this point, I think it's you know fair to say this is probably the lineup we're going to see. Um, I mean, USC gets a, a three set. You know, they earn first sets, I believe, at, let's see, the numbers. Well, I Let's see. They earned a first set at number five. They earned a first set at number, I think that was it. Was that their only first set? That was their only first set. So, you know, Stanford jumps on them at the start of the match, but USC comes roaring back. Uh, They get, you know, uh, the victory from Stefan Dostinich, 7-5 in the third at three singles. Jake Sands delivers a win, 6-2. So that's how they, in the third, so that's how they got their three points now for Stanford. That Ferry was able to beat Smith in three sets. That Axel Geller came back from match point down to knock off Kukerman, 7-6, 2-6, 7-6, after he took pretty bad loss on Friday to Keegan Smith. And then the story of stories for uh, Timothy Saw comes back from 7-6, 5-love down, fights off, you know, so many freaking match points. And just for him to win that match in the third set to come back from a break down, uh, Westrate served for the match again in the third set, win it 7-5 in the third. 
this is the sort of launching win you need for a young team. And, you know, this is the sort of win we like to see in February. Kind of have to consider this February for the Stanford Cardinal team. So, I guess, Maddie, any final thoughts? Any parting USC thoughts, UCLA thoughts? I know for USC, it's tough. I, just a quick fun fact. I, I tweeted this out. The comparison between TCU and Texas is striking. Tech, uh, TCU, excuse me, USC and uh, Texas is striking. Texas 8-1 and one in matches with 4-3 score lines USC two and five in those score lines after everything broke right for them in 2020 it just hasn't this year Maddie yeah it it hasn't it hasn't been the season that they were expecting and we haven't really seen the lineup you mentioned more bullets I mean the the USC that we've seen this year is just not not really what we thought it was going to be from a lineup standpoint so that's kind of a whole different conversation yeah, I think everyone around the country would agree with that. Just to round off the USC point, you know, none of their individual singles flights, one, two, three, four, five, or six, has suffered more than five losses, but all of them have had five losses. So, you know, everyone's been pretty good, but no one's been exceptional. You know, Cookerman, I know he's been injured, but he's nine and five on the year at one. Riley Smith, eight and five at the year at two, but when he's four and oh, when he stepped up to the number one position, I think he's been pretty good, all things considered. Dostinich, eight and three, that's fine. You know, Bradley Fry, 12 and three overall. Jake Sands, 12 and three overall, but just feels very sporadic for the Trojans. It, you never know where the flight's going to come from. They're just as likely to win a, as lose at all six singles positions. That's what's going to make this weekend's matchup against UCLA so exciting. And the reason why I wanted to harp on the Trojans, why I'm so excited to see them, uh, is because we're going to be calling the match on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. We're going to have red zone coverage of both the men's and the women's USC-UCLA battles. Unfortunately, no Chris Halioris as it's a weekday, but going to be joined by former UCLA Brune, editor for Baseline Tennis, and of course, well, I don't want to get ahead of her job announcement, but I know she's about to announce some pretty cool things. I had Nina Pantic going to be joining me on the call for those matches, so of course, for all of you who want to join us this weekend, join us on Friday. That coverage is going to start 4 p.m., uh, 4.15 Eastern time. The women's match starts 4.30. Men's match starts 6 p.m. Fun weekend of college tennis ahead, but yes, to your points, for the Stanford Card starting to make the move, starting to look like the team we all thought they could be. With that in mind, Maddie, I want to go right back to you because our next match comes from the conference that is near and dear to your heart. And you guys have been off the UNC is the unequivocal number one team in the country bandwagon for a few weeks now. And of course, that started with their loss to Virginia in convincing fashion in Charlottesville. Well, once again, North Carolina, this time at home, Tough, tough loss to the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Scoreline looks prettier than the match was. It was a 5-2 decision for Wake Forest, but Wake took the doubles point and then got straight set victories uh, from Sid Banthia over Matt Kiger at 6, from Eduardo Nava over Ben Seguin at 2, and then Henry Squire runs out to a 6-4, I believe, 4-love lead over Will Blumberg. Blumberg almost narrowed that gap in the end, but it was Squire 4-4 four and four victory to give Wake Forest the clinch. Worth noting, no Rinky Hijikata, no Josh Peck for the Tar Heels, who are both dealing with injuries right now in Certainly, this Tar Heel team, as we've discussed, has earned the benefit of the doubt. But, Maddie, this is two now. 
for North Carolina. And it continues a trend of the past month, even in their victories. They haven't been convincing. No, not at all. And they should have lost to South Carolina. I think I yeah. think we all know that, that that should be another L on their resume. But yeah, this team is, they're not looking great. And granted, when you're missing a third of your, your starting lineup, that's a problem. I mean, it really is. Like, depth, like, we've never really talked about North Carolina's depth as being a super strength, right? Like, we talked about teams in the preseason like Baylor, like a Wake Forest, other teams like a Stanford that had a lot more depth. We just figured, okay, a healthy North Carolina, everybody, their starters playing, this is the best team in the country. But right now that's not the case. I mean, they're just, they don't look confident. I I, I don't really know what's going on, but I, I don't think teams fear North Carolina anymore the way that maybe they did at the beginning of the season. I mean, Wake Forest rolls into Chapel Hill. And I mean, to put up a performance like this, pretty convincing in doubles, very convincing in singles. They get three straight set wins. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's not good. I mean, if you're a Tar Heel fan, this is not the time of year to be playing poorly, right? Like, if you're going to play poorly, maybe you start off a little bit, you know, in January, February, and work your way into it. But, man, I mean, we're, we're a week away from the ACC tournament, and then we're going right into the NCAA tournament. The Tar Heels have to figure something out because it's not working right now. Obviously, they have to get healthy, right? First and foremost, number one, get healthy, get your guys back. Even with that being said, this is not the North Carolina team that we saw, you know, at the National Indoors a couple of months ago. They're just different. You can tell watching them play. It was evident when they played South Carolina several weeks ago. That wasn't the UNC that we know. So, yeah, they have some things to work out for sure. But for Wake, man, great win for them. Now, you know, we'll talk about our rankings here in just a little bit. But, man, that was a big one for the Deeks. I, I know Coach Bresky was happy with that result. Yeah, and to flip gears and talk about the Deeks now, and Chris, obviously, if you have any additional Carolina commentary, the fact that they're losing doubles points when they still had Blumberg, Cernok, Kiger, and Sondergaard on the court, that's a concern in itself, but this Wake Forest team, since losing their season opener to Oklahoma, and that was a match where, you know, a bunch of players going through COVID protocols, we still didn't know they weren't going to have Barbatzer, and just the mental adjustment you have to make as a team when you lose your number one player is a real thing. They're 24 and 5 since that moment. 20, uh, excuse me, 25 and 4 since that moment. The loss is coming to Virginia, Virginia, Baylor, and then that loss 4 3 at UCF last week. You look for this team now, though, and just, you know, Squires been really good at the number one position, 13 and 5. And, you know, I think Eduardo Navas won something like, what, nine matches in a row? I, I saw the tweet. I know he's won a bunch of them in a row, but you look for this team. Uh, you know, they've been really, really good uh, throughout the lineup. They've got, you know, over 70% win percentages at every position, but number four. And, you know, we haven't seen the freshmen. There hasn't been a Tachi, there hasn't been a Maroney. But the lineup we have seen, Squire, Nava, Body, Kungu, Iftoflu, Banthia, they're getting the job done, Chris. This team, I mean, your thoughts, they're rounding into form. They're on that borderline of the top 10 now. Yeah, I mean, when you're, when you're looking at teams as you head towards NCAA that you want to be, you, you want to feel like you're starting to peak, you're getting in good form, right? 
you feel like North Carolina and Wake Forest are two teams going in completely opposite directions right now. I mean, sure, you want to have the talent North Carolina's got, but I want to have the momentum that Wake Forest has got. I mean, they're play they're playing well, uh, and that that's what you want out of the guys. Uh, you know, it, you're, it's going to be tough to match up with a healthy North Carolina team, but when you get the guys that, that Wake's got and they're and they're all playing well and moving in that in the right direction and playing as a team now. Yeah, they're they're on a little roll. They're not going to be they're not going to be an easy team to deal with, but they're comfortably right inside the top 16 now. So granted, not a traditional find out Friday, hopefully who all those hosts are. Um, but uh, but yeah, they're they're a one seed, if you will, and and not going to have to surprise anybody uh, in in, in the first two rounds, but yeah, that's, that's a team that's definitely, they could be a dangerous, uh, dangerous quarterfinal match. Sid Banthia, 17 and three overall in the dual match season, second on the year. He's uh, 10 and one, excuse me, between the five and six singles positions. I'm not going to say I told you so, but I told you so. Um, anyways, no, he, you know, this Wake Forest team, you know, doubles is still a question. They have had success. You know, uh, Squire and Nava 11-4 at one. They've played around with their two and three teams, the teams with the most wins. Estaflu and Body six and three at three. Banthia and Thompson, six and three at two. Look, they're still probably, I believe you look at this schedule for Wake Forest. In theory, they've still got NC State in their regular season ACC play. And then, you know, they're going to probably get another shot at North Carolina. And then if they win that, they'll get another shot at Virginia. So if they win, you know, if they win out, they are a top 10 team. And this team is very much in control of their destiny. I agree with you both. This is not a team you want to face as we get into the postseason play. With that in mind, let's go down to the Southeastern Conference, the SEC, where we had a bunch of different storylines to monitor. The place to start are the struggles for Texas A&M. They dropped two matches this weekend. Now, two tough ones, right, to Georgia and uh, to, I believe, Tennessee. You look uh, that Georgia scored. Georgia knocks them off for 2 Georgia drops the doubles point, but then gets wins at the top four singles positions for Tennessee. They take the doubles point. Then they get wins at number two, number three, number four. A nice bounce back for them after they were upset last weekend. Chris, I'll start with you since this is your conference. Are these results more indicative of uh, of Texas A&M or, you know, quietly, Georgia's a little Wake Foresty in the way they are on the Ascension. They've won, what, like nine SEC matches in a row. This young team's starting to hit their stride. Yeah, I mean, you're going to see uh, you're going to see Georgia in the top 10 tomorrow uh, by ranking for sure. Computer rankings, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Computer rank. I mean, they already were right. And they'll be number, they should be nine tomorrow. They're kind of. They're, they're catching their stride. I think when you ask who it's more indicative of, it's more indicative of Georgia, right? We're back to no hottie again. Um, so, um, you know, the, the, the A&M, you know, lineup struggles, if you will, I think uh, are, are, it's, it's tough, tough for them right now. I don't know, you know, I, obviously I'm going to assume that when he came back still wasn't great. So now he's, you know, got to rest a little more, but, uh, but yeah, Georgia's kind of, they're hit, hitting their stride and, and A&M that's, it's a tough weekend for them to lose both matches. It, uh, you know, there's, they're still, they have one match left to replay with Alabama. They need to win that match. If they do win that match, they'll end up being the four, there'll be a four way tie for fourth 
in the SEC and they win the head-to-head in that four-way log jam. So they would get the four seed, which is big in the SEC tournament because the top four get a double bye. Um, so th- there is still in line to be the four seed. But what that means is as the four seed, they're on the, they're on the floor to half. Um, so that's, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if you're, if they get healthy, if they're healthy, and that's a big if, right? I think, you know, if you were picking, you'd rather see Georgia on your half than a healthy A&M. So I don't think Tennessee's probably too upset about seeing Georgia on their half and, and not A&M, but you never know. I mean, a, a non-healthy A&M, sure, uh, that you'd, you'd much rather have the non-healthy A&M. But yeah, not, not, a, great, not a great weekend for them. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, Georgia, Georgia's gonna, they finish now third. They, they do finish third. So they'll be the three seed in the SEC tourney and get that double by, uh, some, you know, really, really big log jam after that. It's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting tourney from an SEC standpoint. I'll, I'll give you this Mississippi state. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Buckle your seatbelts, folks. They are going to come out in the rankings this week. Number 17 in the computer rankings. You know what seed they are in the SEC tournament? Nine. Exactly. <laughs> they will be the nine seed in their conference tournament. And this is a, there's a couple matches to play that could impact it. So I'm kind of, I'm assuming that A&M beats Alabama and that'll round it out. There's a chance they could move to eight and swap with Alabama. They still play Alabama either way. Uh, unless Alabama wins both of their matches and, and bumps A&M out and them up into that top four log jam. But, but yeah, in all likelihood, Mississippi state's the nine seed and they're 17th. I mean, it's just, that's just how crazy skewed the, the rankings are to the sec this year and how, how stacked the conference is. Right. Yeah, so are you telling me that maybe we should have manual adjustments to the computer rankings? Are you, is that what you're trying to tell? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I look. First of all, random note: I did an interview this week with Pepperdine women's head coach Per Nilsson, and in the process of doing that interview, I found out that Arkansas head coach Andy Jackson has coached at Florida and Mississippi State as well. This is an off-season podcast, but finding out where some of these coaches have also coached might be a really fun exercise. Um, but anyways, that's just a random tangent. I'd like to share my research with all of you listeners. Um, yeah, I mean. Look, it's hard to judge this A&M team because once they get Habib back, and they did have Habib, I believe, in the Georgia match, and he dropped the three-set match to Tyler Zink, and then you know they didn't have him against Tennessee, as you mentioned, and so that, that does make a difference. But for Georgia, you get a healthy bride, Zink, Henning, Kreuter, Rowe, Gravilius. It's a really good top six. Those are guys who can all beat any other player in the conference. And then you know for Tennessee— Monday's a stud. One and one victory over Aguilar is always going to be impressive. And, you know, Wiendemann playing the number four position over Hussey did his job, but gets the win over Pierce Rollins. Maddie, your thought on how all this action unfolded? Yeah. I mean, AM, I'm shocked really that AM lost one through four against georgia i just yeah. i am guys i mean vashiro like you guys know how i feel about him i mean three and three to trent bride that's a bit puzzling i know i know habib has been out so i don't really i'm not worried about his match but 
you know, Aguilar three and four loses to Henning Schachter six, one in the third against Blake Kreuter. Like, man, if, if somebody would have told me that A&M wins the doubles point and is going to lose one through four singles against Georgia, I mean, I would have, I would have probably bet a lot of money with Habib in the lineup, by the way, yeah. at number two, I would have bet a lot of money and said, you're absolutely crazy. So credit to Georgia. Again, I, I don't know if this says more about Georgia or, or Texas A&M. Just all of these teams, man, in the SEC, like you guys know this, it's just, it's a log jam. I, I think Kentucky, a team that we haven't even talked about yet, I think Kentucky is super dangerous, right? Anytime you have like a guy like Liam Draxel, my God, I mean, anybody wants him on their team. So there's just so many squads within this conference that can can do some serious damage. That's going to be a fun tournament. I don't know who's going to be out there in Fayetteville for the SEC tournament, but man, if I wasn't going to be in Waco, I would definitely, I, I would like to be in Fayetteville for that tournament. It's going to be absolutely nuts. And all of these teams are going to make noise when it comes NCAA time. So Tennessee, Kentucky, you know, I mean, you name it. Ole Miss is in there, Georgia. I mean, good God, Bama. I mean, all of these teams, you know, you just, you don't know. You're going down to Waco for the conference championships, Maddie. Oh, of course. That's a little nugget I'm putting in my back pocket to know for later. But, yeah, I mean, to your point, and I guess to speak to the match because I watched this one, Georgia was down a break at number two doubles. Vasher and Rollins were serving for the set. Rowe and Kreuter were able to get that break back. Georgia was then able to close out the number three doubles position. Felt like they had all the momentum in the world for A&M to curb that momentum, take the doubles point, and then, you know, win a bunch of uh, sets in singles as well. They, you know, take that. Habib's match goes three sets. Schachter's match goes three sets. Perot and Gravilius went three sets they had chances but credit to Georgia again they performed really really well and credit to Tennessee as well who I'm not trying to gloss over we've just talked about them a lot this year we know how good they are they're a lock to be a top five team you talked about the other frisky SEC teams Manny to quickly round off this conversation Chris I'll give you the final word on the conference but South Carolina plays Florida close, and we hadn't seen Florida played close in a while. Now, Florida takes the doubles point and ultimately gets a straight-set win from Andy Andrade, a straight-set win from Josh Goodger, a three-set win from Blaze Bicknell. And I know what you're going to say, Chris, so I'm going to beat you to it. I told you guys he would be really good at the number four singles position. He ends the year undefeated at the number four singles position. So, hey, great shot by you. I don't know why I did it in the mocking voice. That's actually a pretty good call by you, Chris. But, you know, uh, Florida Wins that match for three. Riffis loses in three. Vale loses. And then Shelton loses in three sets as well. Speaking of that scrappy Kentucky team, they get a 5-2 victory over Mississippi. Mississippi rebounds, though. 4-3 win over Vanderbilt. Was a tough weekend for Arkansas. They lost to both Mississippi State, Auburn, and Alabama. So right after they get a big breakthrough upset win, unfortunately, they drop three in a row. Speaks to the talent right now in the SEC Conference, Chris. I ask you this every podcast. So what's the number right now? How many are we getting in? As of right now, I say we get 11. 11 still the number? Yeah. That's freaking nuts. And it's like I don't, a I don't see how it couldn't be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And watch this. Vanderbilt's going on a run. They're winning the conference tournament. Come on. <laughs> 
if these coaches are smart, they'll let them do it. They'll be like, yeah, we, I don't know. They got hot. That would, that would be an absolute riot uh, for, for that to happen. Uh, you know, they're going to have to get out of that first. They have to play the play in match, the 12, 13 match just to get in, uh, in, but yeah, that's a, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's crazy how deep, I mean, LSU granted is going to be they're They are right on the border. They're going to be like 39 this week. So that's still though well inside. I mean, we're the men's are looking down at about 45, 46, unless we get some, uh, unless we get a couple uh, bid stealers uh, or, or maybe li- like Liberty's right now inside, even without winning the tournament, probably if they lost their conference tournament, they'd drop out. Uh, and so that, that cut might drop into like 45 range, but still if LSU manages to stay at the 40 range or better, they're, they're good. And, you know, and even Auburn right now is 42. So, you know, if you had to say, draw it up today, there's 12. No, it's I, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, twelve seems like a lot. I'll still stick with eleven, but it's it's still it's still very possible to get everybody but Vandy in. Yeah, again, that speaks to the strength right now of this SEC conference. If you're bored, it's a Friday, it's a Sunday. Turn to an SEC school. I promise you're going to see some pretty good college tennis. With that in mind, let's rip through the rest of this week's results in the Big Twelve Conference. TCU and Texas sweep the Oklahomas. Was a particularly impressive uh, weekend for TCU. I think they're really starting to find their stride, guys. Now five-two victory over Oklahoma for them. They also earn a four-zero victory over Oklahoma State for Texas. A rare non-four-three win. 5-2 over Oklahoma, but don't worry, folks. They gave us what we deserved on uh, the Sunday. 4-3 victory for them over Oklahoma State. Maddie, we knew these conference matches were going to be tight in the Big 12. Your thought on the weekend of action? Should also yeah. throw in, by the way, that Baylor beat Texas Tech. They did. Yeah, that's right. And and I think clearly, guys, the three teams that have separated themselves, Baylor, TCU, and Texas, I mean, they've there's a significant gap, I think, between those three schools and then the other three schools in the Big 12. They're all pretty good, right? Even Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, they're nothing to sneeze at. Those are dangerous squads. But really, when you look at it, Baylor, TCU, Texas, those are the teams that are dominating the Big 12. And I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but I, I think – and I said this maybe a week or so ago to you guys, but I think we're going to be in line for a showdown between Baylor and TCU in Fort Worth this coming Sunday. That will decide the Big 12 regular season. Baylor still has to play Texas on Thursday before that. So I don't want to speak, you know, that's going to be a tough match. But... If everything goes according to plan, I have a feeling that 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 final match of the season, Baylor in Fort Worth against TCU, that's going to be for the one seed. And that's an important one seed in the conference tournament because two and three are going to be on the other half of the draw. So whoever's the one is going to be able to avoid TCU in Texas until the final Whoever's two. Hold on. Has, Did you hear that? I just want to point one. out, I, listeners, who's ever won gets to avoid TCU in Texas, a.k.a. when <laughs> Baylor's won, they get to well, avoid I, TCU in Texas. I, I, heard that, I heard that in real time, too, Gruskin. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Fair enough. 
That's what I'm hoping happens. That's what I. That's what I want to happen here. Um, but look, no, the one seed is the one seed is super important. So I mean, it's all going to come down to that match. Baylor and TCU. They've only played once this year. It was in Waco, and TCU won that match. The one match that Baylor has won the doubles point and actually lost four singles matches. It's the only time all season that that's happened. So I think that's going to be the big one, but there's still a couple matches to go before that. But you guys know what I'm saying. Baylor, TCU, Texas, those are the schools that are ruling this conference. It's clear. Manny, we're teasing you because it's a rare moment that we can. But no, you know, we talk about the SEC conference. Big 12's getting all six. That's not a question. That's just a statement of fact. But, you know, Chris, I want to give you a chance to just tune in your thoughts. You know, again, Texas, TCU, both playing really good tennis right now. And yeah, Texas survives by a thread, but they're a really young team too. And to see them do this, they can be upset, but this is just, it's a long-term thing. They're exceeding all of our expectations here this year. The flip side, TCU's just damn good. Like they really are just really, really good. So those are my thoughts. You have the final word on the conference, Chris. Yeah, no, I was going to make Maddie's point exactly is that's a monster match between Baylor and TCU because whoever loses now has to win two tough matches in the tournament. The team that wins only has to win one. So it's yep. a, it, that's a big match for coming away with both, trying to come away with both the, the regular season uh, and conference tournament titles. But, but like you said, I mean, the, the big picture is all about the NCAs and, and they're all in and the bit and the three that we're talking about uh, primarily here are they're all one seeds, uh, you know, no matter what. So, uh, so they're all, they're all sitting pretty. The bigger question again, for them that I think the biggest question for me and the most interesting is when we get all these site selections announced on Friday, depending on the criteria that was used is how many of the Texas schools are hosts, because if you're going off, you know, current top 16 rankings, you should have four, right? You should have Baylor, TCU, uh, Texas, and Texas A&M. They should all be hosts. Now, in order for that to happen, if you take into account logistics related to COVID, meaning travel and trying to really trying to avoid flights, that means you have to have 12 other teams in the tournament that can drive there. I'm not sure you've got 12 other teams in the tournament that are within driving distance of Texas. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if that influences whether they get four host sites in Texas or not. So, so it's just something to look forward to for Friday. No, I know Michiganders love Texas in May. That's where we thrive. So, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll send – it's it's certainly, again, things to monitor. I will point out we haven't seen the big Texas Tech upset at home yet. They beat Oklahoma at home, but that wasn't a big upset. They've got TCU in Texas this weekend. I'm guaranteeing one of those matches goes 4-3. I'm – I think Texas is the team that loses to them. On the road at Texas Tech is kryptonite for a young team. That's like, Maddie, you're shaking your head I, in somewhat agreement. Well, it is. And I was thinking about this earlier today, guys, actually, because mm-hmm. I looked at the schedule and I noticed the same thing. Yeah. I just don't – I don't know if they're going to get it done. I don't yeah. know if Texas Tech is going to get it done. I think it could be a 4-3 match, like you said, Gruskin. I have a hard time actually calling upset alert over Texas or TCU. They're both In been fact, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go on record right now and say it doesn't happen. Yeah. I think. I think Texas Tech can play 
one or two of those matches pretty close, but they're not going to get it done. I think Texas and TCU, at the end of the day, both end up getting the win in Lubbock, which is tough to do, but I think they do it. Yeah. Um, no, I, I would echo that sentiment. The only thing I would add uh, would be it's fitting, right? In 2021, the funky season, we don't have the funky Texas Tech upset. I guess that does fit the script. So, again, watch for the 4-3 scoreline. That would be the big takeaway uh, from that mini Texas Tech spiel. Just to run through the rest of the notable results, and then I'll kick it over to you, Chris, for a pseudo Chris's corner before we preview the week ahead, get into our top 10 rankings. You look at uh, some of the ACC results we saw uh, this past weekend, and you had... Um, I believe Virginia Tech, 4-3 win over VCU. You had Notre Dame, 4-3 win over Georgia Tech, and then a 4-3 win over Clemson. You also had some non-Power 5 uh, notable results. SMU knocks off Tulsa, 4-3. You had Tulane, 5-2 win over TCU. Those are the other notable ones to me. I still have my matches of the week, Chris, but I'll kick it off to you. Anything else we missed? Anything else uh, you found particularly of notable of uh, noticed this past week yeah i think a big win amongst those kind of mid-level mid-majors right there that are pushing that are all ranked right was another win for memphis over middle tennessee uh so so that was big i think that was you you kind of called out the other ones that was the most notable tulane also got that win i think you you had mentioned the one they got vcu right so uh, yeah, I think you hit the rest pretty well. Mm-hmm. I would throw out the fact my matches of the week. Idaho drops a 4-3 decision at Montana, and that hurts, right? How do you rebound from a 4-3 rivalry match? Idaho, Montana, so many similarities between the two, the cultural ties. Uh, but what does is, what is my boys in Idaho do? They bounce back 4-3 win over Montana State. That's how we roll. That's what we do at the University of Idaho. Shout out to the squad. Also have to give a shout-out and West off throwing a celebration sound effect here because I'm reading this result for you. The St. Louis Billikens. Yes, I believe they really are the Billikens, folks. They knock off Uwe Pui, a.k.a. IUPUI, 4-3 decision. Uh, I believe it was number two singles players, Teo Ortiz, a 3-6-6-2-6-1 victory for our boys at SLU. For those of you who don't know, Daniel Westoff, Dalton Thieneman, both St. Louis University products. So shout out to our boys. Big win over Uwe Pooey. I also, because we'll get accused of ducking it if I don't ask you about this, Chris, do you want to talk about Liberty Clemson? Is it too soon to bring that up? And then, of course, if I missed anything, let me know. Wow. Oh, so, no, yeah, I was going to throw one more in, and sure, we could talk about that. The one, the one, there was one other big result from the weekend that we did gloss over as you uh, attempted to rub the Arizona thing in on me, at which point I was going to say, I would just have Arthur Ferry answer the door when Strom knocked. Uh, but, but, but besides that, Utah pulled off a huge upset oh, yeah. over yeah. Arizona. So that's, that's getting Utah now into that range where they can start thinking about a decent win down the stretch or in the Pac-12, and they're a bubble team. It pushes them up to the low 50s. So they're now looking at, hey, what can we do? We we have a chance to get in. Yeah. So so shout out for for the Utes there. Yeah, Liberty Clemson today. Well, quick quickly, uh, Chris, to- quickly. I give you a lot of 
because that's half the fun of doing these podcasts. Legitimately, when I was making the outline, and we go an hour and a half, so I'm going to tell some of you that I actually cut some potential topics, and you're going to laugh and be like, no, you don't. I actually do cut some, and one of the things that I cut was I was like, eh, we're not going to talk about Utah, Arizona. I was like, hey, we, don't really, we don't need to talk about that today. It's fine. Uh, so calling the kettle blah, uh, the pop, blah, whatever. Uh, anyways, Chris, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I thought you'd enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, we can. The, the most interesting part, I think, is as some of the listeners may have seen the tweet of that Liberty. Liberty got handled today by Clemson. Too good. You got to hand it to them. But uh, I, I've never seen this nor heard this in a college match. Uh, you know, the Liberty guys went in after doubles, took their locker room break, came back out. Evidently, they came back out more than five minutes later to find out that they were now down one love and a break on every court. <laughs> That's they tough. they need to start from behind. Tough, tough start. Yeah. So I, you know, and I didn't know that at the time. And I just pulled up the live scoring and I'm seeing like three, one, four, one on every court. And I'm like, my gosh, what an <laughs> atrocious start to singles. And then I find out that, you know, once you came out late, they got penalized the game and Clemson got the choice. So obviously, you know, they, they went up a break on every court. <laughs> which was very interesting. So yeah, Clemson with a good 6-1 uh, win at, at Liberty. Clemson, try, you know, they're trying to do what they can as well. They were they were in the 60s heading into the first this ranked win in match. 9 years, I believe. Yeah, this was a this was not a, a an original match on the schedule, one that the the two teams added Clemson to try to help bolster their ranking and Liberty just to get some good quality experience uh, for the guys as they head into conference and hopefully NCAA tournament. So so yeah. yeah, no, again, good match. Yeah, fun week of tennis overall, and you know it leads to another spectacular week of tennis ahead. You can find all of these matches on Chris's website, CollegeTennisCrackRackets.com, Of course, again, if you want to hear more about the ranking system, be sure to join us 8 p.m. Thursday night Eastern time. That link available on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Chris, if you want to post it on your website, obviously feel free to as well. Uh, You can join us where Chris will be answering questions about the rankings. And we have a really fun week ahead of matches that are certain to influence those rankings. I referred to the fact we're going to be doing UCLA-USC on Red Zone on Friday. We're going to be doing both the men's and the women's matches simultaneously. Action starts 4.30. Of course, before that, Texas at Baylor on Thursday. Friday, you also have Wichita State, Arkansas, Memphis, USF. Those are important for NCAA implications. Saturday, Bama A&M, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Miami, Duke is a sneaky one for NCAA implications. And then on Sunday, we'll be back for Red Zone. Chris going to join me on what will either be the most gleeful day or a rough one for me as we have Michigan taking on Ohio State Big Ten regular season finale for both teams. Conference title on the line. That'll be our red zone match. We may have another one thrown in the mix. Don't want to promise anything, but also on the day, Baylor TCU, Texas, Texas Tech, USF, uh, USF, excuse me, UCF Memphis, Virginia Tech versus Notre Dame. I think you also have a good USF match that day. I'm blanking out on who they're playing, but Matty, your thoughts on the week ahead. Tulsa. Tulsa, thank you. Well, if you guys uh, don't want to cover Baylor TCU, that sucks. You think I don't want to? You think I don't want to, Maddie? Come on. I, it's that. It's just an impossibility. 
Make it happen, Gruskin. I have emailed. I literally think they now have blocked my email. It just goes directly to junk. They're like, we know what he's going to ask for. He asks every week. He's like, you guys change your mind? What about today? Do you change your mind? But no, Big 12 Network doesn't want me, Maddie. I'm too, uh, too controversial for them, which I can understand. No, do you know what it is? I showed up 15 minutes late too many times. No, well, that I can understand. Yeah, that's too uh, real. Th- no, I didn't, Dalton. Too if real. Dalton's listening to this, he knows that he's on the – whatever. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'm obviously going to be dialed into the Big 12. Every single match in the Big 12, I'm always dialed into. And, of course, uh, you mentioned that sneaky Duke-Miami match. Duke also plays Florida State, mm-hmm. I believe, on Friday. Um, they need these wins. They're, they're home matches. They're going to be out out at Ambler. Um, I mean, if there were fans, I would probably go. They are not allowing fans, so I will not be in attendance. But um, yeah, I mean, if Duke, it's those are two really important matches. So I'll be watching those as well. Chris? Yeah, that that's a, a Maddie, a good point. That, that's a really big match for Florida State. Florida State, uh, yep. you know, this this past week was sitting, uh, sitting 55. I'm looking to see uh, where they are coming into this week, but they, they, what I do know is, uh, you know, they're looking now for, uh, for help. Like what can we do to get in? So they're, they're look, they've got a date still. Uh, it looks like there'll be 57 tomorrow. They've got an open date. They're looking for a match, anything they can do, uh, to try to get another mat, another quality match in. Obviously they've got the ACC tournament, but yeah, if they can beat a Duke, uh, they can add a match or they get a win in the ACC. They're, they're looking to push into that, into that NCAA zone. Yep. No, all good additions. And again, promises be uh, to be another fun weekend for us to talk about on next week's show. But with that in mind, we've only got one thing left to do, and it's going to be on the fly performance from Maddie. I've got my updated top 10. Chris has his updated top 10. Only one thing left to do. Westoff, roll that top 10 sound effect. And let's get into it. All right, gentlemen. I have a new number one at the top of my list, so I will go first. (laughs) Anyways, this is going to feel good for me. First time I've been able to say this on a podcast with both of you here. Proudly, shamelessly, unbiasedly, my number one team, unbiasedly is definitely not a word, by the way, but in an unbiased form, University of Virginia. Go who's, baby. We're back. They're my number one team. Yeah, they lost to Illinois on the kickoff weekend without uh, Alexander Kovacevic. And yes, that loss is confounding, but they haven't lost since. The wins over Wake Forest have appreciated in value. They beat North Carolina in the rematch. They've done absolutely everything they have supposed to do. And we talked about the most imposing top twos in the country. Maddie, Carl Soderland and Doc Vaughn at number one and two. That's a pretty I, – I, I'll take those guys every day. So give me the who's at one. I imagine you guys are both sticking Florida, but, Maddie, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I'm sticking Florida. Now, again, I love Carl Soderlin and Dr. Vaughn, no question about it. But, hey, I'll, I'll take Keegan Smith and Govin Nanda and take <laughs> sure. my chances. I wouldn't feel too bad about that. But, no, man, I've got Florida at number one. No change there. Come on, man. I – I still cannot believe that you're not going to give the Gators the nod at the number one spot, man. That's Do we want to you know, do this? I, do we want my Florida come to Jesus moment now? I'm just – I've been scarred. I was all in in 2019, yeah. more I so than all, all of you. But, like, 
Uh, the fact that I can tell you, <coughs> excuse me, and it's bringing up coughing even if I say it, it was hole number 14. We were golfing Sunday after Dalton's wedding. I'm watching the Florida-Texas match, and I'm just like, what are we doing here, boys? And I text Oliver Crawford more than I should because he's been killing it at the ITF level, and he deserves praise, and, like, that's my guy. Um, but – I just – I don't want to fall in love with this Florida team because the second I do, they're going to take that loss, and then I'm going to blame myself. Well, I'm not falling in love with them. I'm just telling you that they're number one right now. It's fair. It's fair. Chris, That's it. do you feel the same way? I, I feel like it's just because Sam Riffis steals all the girls you have crushes <laughs> on. I don't know. Leave, I, leave that in. Leave that in. <laughs> uh, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, yeah, no, it's absolutely Florida number one. This is why Nina's joining me on Friday, Chris. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. Look, Florida's my number two team. Like, I don't disagree with you guys. They're not far off. I just – I feel more comfortable putting the who's there. Like, if it's Florida versus Virginia, I I would take Virginia. That's why I have them number one over Florida. I wouldn't feel great about it. I think it's 4-3 match. But I would take Virginia one. I have Florida number two, though. Who's your number two, Manny? I imagine it's just a flip. Yeah, it's just a flip, man. I've yeah. got I've got the who's at number two, and I, I feel fine there. You know, you if you would take the who's straight up four three match, I'll go Florida. Right. So that's how I feel. Florida one, UVA two. Chris, you're the same way. Yep. Yeah, numbers would agree with you, by the way, as well, given I have cheated and looked at the collegetennisranks.com, so I feel like I know what tomorrow's computer rankings are going to look like. Uh, Number three, I have Baylor. I think you guys will as well. It's Baylor, UNC. So the thing is, I'm not willing to have UNC drop out of my top four because I'm not going to severely punish them for losing a match without Rinky or Josh Peck. The reason I have Baylor number three instead of UNC is because Baylor hasn't lost in a really long time, and they win everywhere. And it's just like they're in the national championship conversation. They're a top four team. They're never going to drop out of that for me. They're number three right now. Hmm. Not for me. So I still have North Carolina at number three. They played head to head and North Carolina won that match over Baylor. I it was agree so with you, long bro. ago. It was it was so long and Baylor ago. Baylor was right no, 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 there. I know. And and if you're talking about teams that are trending, like who would you who would you rather be right now? Would you rather be Baylor or would you rather rather be North Carolina. I'd rather be Baylor. I think Baylor is still trending upwards. North Carolina is not trending in the right direction, but I still just, I still have to have North Carolina at number three this week. We'll see what happens next week, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make that flip right now. At least in my rankings, I'm still going to keep the Tar Heels at number three. It is so close, but that's just how I've got it. Fair. Chris? I ditto what Maddie said. I got North Carolina number three. Are you guys serious? I thought for sure yeah. one of you was going to agree with me. But here's why I think you're both lying to yourselves, and that's okay. We all lie to ourselves about certain things. For me, it's about my hair. For you guys, it's about North Carolina's ranking. Um, who would you take to win right now? They play tomorrow. Baylor versus UNC, outdoor neutral site. I'll take Baylor because Baylor's healthy and North Carolina's not. Chris? 
Yeah, if you're telling me tomorrow because I know they're not healthy, I'll take Baylor. All right, well, these right, rankings are a reflection of right now. That would be my ju- that would be my justification. That would be it. Is just that sentence in a nutshell, just so you guys know. But I can't knock you. I mean, North Carolina beat them when healthy. Yep. And so it's it's thin lines, but we can move on from there, Manny. I feel like I almost had you flip flopping. You were right on the edge there. You were teetering. Well, I had thought I had thought about this prior to the podcast, mm-hmm. but. I'm gonna stick to my guns. Can we? I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it mm-hmm, for sure. We agree. For you guys, then it's Baylor number four, and for me, it's North Carolina number four. Uh, I assume we're all gonna agree there. Number five, Tennessee, pretty unequivocal. So again, we don't have to spend any time yep. talking about that. They are that next team. Now things get interesting. I have Illinois back at number six. I just like I watched Kova win today over Roberto Quiroz. I think of him, Zeke Clark, Sifo win healthy. Alex Brown's getting better. They know their six guys now in singles. It's going to be Cliff. It's going to be Heck. Like, I, I know that team. That team's damn good indoors, outdoors. They're my number six. TCU seven, Maddie, who I know is going to be your six. I can beat you to the horse, but it, it's close. I, I think they're in the same tier. Yeah, um, I think your bias may be coming in just a little bit there, Gruskin, with Illinois. Um, I've got TCU 6, who I had, by the way, last week as my number 6 team. I've got no movement there. I think TCU's looking better and better. I feel even more strongly about TCU at 6 this week than I did last week. Yeah, it's, it's fair. They're my number 7 team. I'm not far off. Chris, what's your order? Yeah, my order, well, I get sneak preview here. My top 10, my entire 10 is the same as last week. So <laughs> I had Illinois at six last week. I'm with Maddie TCU. I feel even better about TCU, but I'm not going to jump them over Illinois because I had Illinois there last week when Illinois didn't lose either. So, uh, so I got Illinois six, TCU seven. Yeah, I agree exactly with that order, Maddie. With that in mind, who's your number seven? I do not have Illinois at number seven, guys. So last week, my rankings stay the same. I had Texas at number seven, and I they're going to remain there for me. I have no change there either. They're my number eight team. I'm not far off. Uh, Chris, who's your number eight? My eight is Texas as well. Mm-hmm. So the question is, Manny, did you go Illinois? Did you change things up? No, I, I did go I did go Illinois at number eight. Yeah. I have Illinois at number eight. Okay. It's a good choice. Well, then, uh, with that in mind, we get to 9-10. I have, I'm just going to say, it, ahead of the showdown, I want to say on Red Zone, it's a top-10 showdown. I'm going to skew the rankings. Oh UCF is right on the bubble. Wake Forest, Georgia, Texas A&M, Arizona, USC, Stanford. Those are my top 17 right now in some mm-hmm. order. I'd throw UCLA probably at number 18. Um, but... I'm going to go Michigan 9, Ohio State 10. I'm just going to say it straight up. I want it to be a top 10 matchup. That was a little biased, but they're right in the mix with all those other teams as well. You're picking straws. Maddie, give me your 9-10. Uh, my 9-10 is going to be Ohio State at 9, and I have a new entry into my ACC. top 10. Let's go, Deeks. I, I got it. the way for his Demon Deacons at number 10. Gruskin, I know you would like that. Mm-hmm. I know you would like that. Yeah, I mean, Tony Bresky's going to propose to my eventual fiance. Uh, so, yeah, because how can she say no? Um, but, yeah, they're good. Like, I know it's without bots, or I know the freshmen haven't really contributed as much as we expected. It doesn't matter. 
They've got six guys who can win each and every match they play in singles. I don't hate it. And they're and they're coast and they're peaking. And they beat North Carolina on the road in Chapel Hill. It's not easy to do, regardless of the circumstances. For me, I think the Deeks deserve a nod, at least this week, for me, at number 10. That's fair. Chris? Yeah, I've, uh, same as last week. I've got Ohio State 9 and UCF 10. Well, it's going to make the math here a little bit interesting, at least. Chris, with that in mind, give us our brand new Crack Rackets Top 10. Make sure I'm not leaving anybody out here. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan, Wakes we go. All right, this is all live. Leave okay. it in. I love it. Leave the counting. So in. here we go. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure any, with with the the first time we've actually had a decent amount of variance with numbers of teams like Wake Forest in once, UCF in once, Michigan in once. Uh, so, but anyway, the uh, so the top ten number one Florida, number two Virginia. Number three, North Carolina. Number four, Baylor. Number five, Tennessee. Number six, Illinois. Number seven, TCU. Number eight, Texas. Number nine, Ohio State. And number 10, Michigan. <laughs> uh, and that's because you put him at nine, right, Bruskin. But it's yeah, like, that's uh, great. Graskin got him in there. Well, who else would it have been? It would have been Wake Forest or would have been – who was your 10th no, team, if, Chris? If, if Maddie had put UCF yeah. in, it would have been UCF. Or UCF. Or if you would have put in Wake Forest. Or if Forest. I had put Wake in, it would have been exactly. Wake. Either way. So, guess yeah. what? I know how to cheat numbers. I'm smarter than I let you guys think. Um, that's why I slid them in at nine <laughs> uh, because I figured things might get a little cluttered at that number 10 spot. But, no, again, it's picking hairs. It's uh, drawing straws. All of these teams close. That's why there is so much uh, focus on the rankings because this year in particular, it does feel like no teams have truly separated themselves. Yeah, you'd say the top five have separated themselves, but then after that, you know, everything else up in the air. And it's going to lead to a fan fantastic home stretch of this 2021 season of course again this weekend red zone final red zone of the year friday we're going to have usc ucla the men's and the women's matches coverage starts 4 15 sunday and by the way nina pantic fantastic going to be joining me in the booth for those matches sunday Chris is going to be joining me. We'll probably start 11.30, 11.45 range for Michigan, Ohio State. We may have another one as well. You can find our Red Zone coverage on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. And, of course, we'll tweet out links posted on our website, crackrackets.com. So be on the lookout for that. If you've missed anything else that's happened across the tennis world, perhaps you want to hear my conversation with Pepperdine women's head coach Per Nelson. Perhaps you want to hear my conversation with a bunch of the members of the Illinois men's tennis teams. All of that content can be found on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to this podcast, the Mini Break podcast, Crack Interviews podcast, and all of our shows. You need the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Crack Rackets. You want to message me directly. I am at Great Shot Pod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff the of an editing job they do day in day out shout out as well to our friends at turner grip for their continued support remember if you want to join the turner family contact sales at unique sports.com or call 800-554-3707 with that in mind i'll start with you manny any final thoughts nope i'm just ready for the weekend i love ready to go ready to go I love to hear it. chris Absolutely nothing this week. Not a shock. You often don't have many thoughts. But with that in mind, 
Wow, he didn't jump on me. That was a little bit surprising. I guess he's done with my one-liners at this point, which means it's probably time for us to wrap the podcast. So for my wonderful co-host, Matt the Cracks, Koyak, Chris Halliorus, our super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Turner Grip, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Gentlemen, what do we tell our listeners? Hey. Hey. Great, Great shot. shot. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.